It's time for the Fantasy Points Podcast, brought to you by FantasyPoints.com. Top-level fantasy football and NFL betting analysis from every perspective and angle, from numbers to the film room, with a single goal to help you score more fantasy points. I'm your host, Joe Dolan, and welcome to the 2023 Franchise Focus Podcast Series here at FantasyPoints.com and the Fantasy Points Podcast Network. We've entered the third week of recording these podcasts, and I've already made my way around the first three divisions in the AFC. We're going to be moving to the AFC West this week, talking Broncos, Chiefs, Raiders and Chargers. I hope everybody's enjoyed the podcast thus far. I've had a lot of fun recording them. I'm learning something new each and every time I record. And really the only difficult thing about them is scheduling them because I'm doing 32 of them. But so many of my guests have been gracious. All of them have been just providing the best information. And I hope you continue to subscribe, rate, and review to the show and enjoy the podcast. We're going to wrap up the AFC with the AFC West this week. I hope you enjoy. Without further ado, here's my next guest. We have yet another repeat guest here at on the Franchise Focus podcast here at FantasyPoints.com. I am thrilled to welcome in Seth Kaiser, who has contributed to The Athletic as a Chiefs analyst. He's a, the writer of the Chief in the North newsletter, which has over 9,000 subscribers on Substack. You can follow him on Twitter at RealMN, meaning Minnesota Chiefs fan, and if you're watching this, if, if our wonderful producer Trey Camberling's cut up some socials for this, Seth is the first guest I've ever had on the Franchise Focus podcast who has a tie on um, because he's taking some busy time out of his work day. I, I like to think that Seth uh, just got dressed up for the Franchise Focus podcast. Seth, it's wonderful having you on. Thanks for joining me. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate you having me. You know, I, I just try to bring a little formality to it as well as, you know, what I tell everyone is I've 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 also got a map in the background of everywhere in the world. Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback. So yes, well, kind of hard for him not to be. And like honestly, <laughs> like if 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 we're just sitting here talking, and you know, I've been trying to make these podcasts digestible. Twenty, yep. we don't need to talk about Patrick Mahomes. This is a no. fantasy football podcast. I mean, the everything's been kind of answered. So let's talk about how the team that's filtered through Patrick Mahomes is going to look. The first question I'm going to ask, I almost didn't want to even ask about Travis Kelsey, but it does have to be noted he's 33 years old. Yes. He's already the exception to the rule um, as he extends what is certainly a Hall of Fame career. Both he and his brother will be in Canton one day. I think that's pretty obvious. He's extending his Hall of Fame career. Um, you're You're a dedicated film analyst. Is there any reason to think Travis Kelsey might drop off a little bit. I'm not even talking about a collapse, but just a, a little bit of a drop-off. The thing with Kelsey is that the physical drop-off that you would expect to occur in your early to mid-30s has already occurred. It happened to him a couple of years ago, and his game has completely adjusted. Um, he's he, he's still, I think, I think he was like third in the league in yards after catch last year at that age because he continues to be an above average athlete at his size. And he's at that athletic point that I think it's probably going to linger for a few years now here. You know, he was here as an athlete. People remember, you know, Kelsey taking these, you know, five yard screens, 80 yards. Those days are gone, but he does take them 30 yards still. And he's still an excellent yards after catch guy. He's become such a smart player and he understands coverages so well. He's got such a great blend with Mahomes. And one thing they started doing last year 
is he was on the field for, I think it was approximately 80% of the snaps last year. And when you can, when you know he didn't miss time due to injury, they're starting to, to lower the volume a bit, understanding that this is a guy who's in his, you know, early thirties, well, mid thirties, really at this point. And they are, they are kind of filtering through some of those, you know, there's a few, you know, 12 personnel or 13 personnel snaps where they don't necessarily need him on the field um, or, or just snaps where it's an obvious rundown. Just they're, they're trying to save him some wear and tear with the understanding that he's still going to see a high percentage of targets. Um, and so I would, I wouldn't surprise me if that snap percentage went to like 75%, but he was still a high volume guy. And so I think be, that that sounds like bad news to fantasy owners. He'll be on the field a little less, yeah. but it's actually good news because they're just doing it to keep him fresh, keep him healthy, um, especially down the stretch. Cause they know they're going to be playing in January and maybe February every year. So um, last year that the talk w- about <clears throat> the, the chiefs was, well, these wide receivers, somebody's got to hit, you know, Patrick Mahomes is the quarterback. And really, nobody did. Like, like there is guys who had a game here and a game there. Valdez Scantling didn't really hit. Juju got off to a quick start and then faded. Sky Moore never got going. Yep. I'm going to go through this receiving core, though, and I'm almost going to ask you guy by guy what your evaluation is and what your expectations are because we are in the same exact spot as we were last year from a fantasy perspective. Nobody really knows what chief wide receiver to draft. Right. The favorite right now is Canarius Tony. He's the guy who's going the earliest. I think people view him as having the most physical ability of this group. The detractors say he's probably more of a gimmick player. He might be more of the me call Hardman than anything else. Where do you fall on, on Kadarius Tony and his statistical profile that he might put up this year? Sure. One thing I would note that I do know that the Chiefs have been pretty upfront about that is accurate. They view him as, as a guy who can be pretty much the guy. Maybe he wouldn't be the guy in a world where Travis Kelsey doesn't exist, but Kelsey does. And so they they view him as a guy that if he's healthy, he is going to get a larger target share than McCole Hardman did. And with Hardman, they kind of tried to go that route, and he just reached a limitation. Hardman has some specific limitations as a player in terms of uh, body control, ball skills, just certain things that he didn't do quite as well as ideal for a full-time role. Tony last year in limited snaps showed those things. So I think he'll get some of those uh, cheap touches that Hardman got, but I think he'll get those and then some. Um, If he's healthy, I think he'll lead the Chiefs in receiving yards, Um, not over Kelsey. Yeah. Chiefs receivers. Just receivers. Um, But that health thing is the big thing. And that's where you got to ask yourself, knowing how much they spread out the ball, which is going to be true regardless. and those health concerns, he's not a guy that I would bank on necessarily, despite their optimism. If he stays healthy all year, he's going to have probably 1,200 total yards. Yeah. Uh, now let's get the sky more. Um, yes. I, I think maybe there was a little too much expectation put on him. And, and I think a lot of that comes from the fantasy community maybe putting too much on him. He was a second-round pick, so it's not like this guy's expected to come in and kill it from day one. Um, I think maybe that was a little bit unfair. What did you see from him? What did the Chiefs think he needed to improve on? And is he a guy you are still high on or uh, have things kind of uh, dimmed a little bit after his rookie season? 
One thing that has me optimistic on Sky Moore is that he performed his best, generally speaking, against man coverage, which is a little more consistent year to year in terms of your ability to create separation. Whereas zone coverages and, and understanding where to kind of bend your routes and stuff, that's what he struggled with last year. There were at least two interceptions, probably just those two, but I can say at least two confidently that came from Mahomes throwing to a spot that he thought Moore would bend his route, but Moore went a little farther upfield and there's a pick. And even Andy Reid even said something about one of it, about one of those picks. And for Reid to say that about a player, it takes a lot. So with Moore, the physical talent is there. He showed good ball skills. He showed some toughness, some yards after catch ability, and the ability to separate. All those things have me optimistic that I think year two, you're going to see a decent bump from him. It's just a matter of some guys never get it with the with the zone coverage looks, with understanding how to how to run, you know, how to vary their speeds and that kind of stuff. Some guys never get it. So we don't know at this point, but I do think there there was more than enough that flashed last year to say that you're going to see a bump this next year. What what do you think his ideal role is? Um, Z slot, um, it, or are they just going to move everybody all around? I think with how they've got it right now, they're going to mostly they're going to move everybody all the way around. Um, with MVS kind of having an emphasis on the deep role on yeah. the deep threat guy. Um, but I do think you're going to see a fair amount from the slot from him. It's interesting because both he and Rice have kind of a skill set that seems to make them more of a natural fit in certain respects with that slot role with rice, more like the power slot, kind of like Juju Smith-Schuster was and with more, a little more finesse to his game. Let's get to Rasheed Rice. Who's their, their new second round pick on um, yep. the rookie wide receiver. Um, did he, I don't know if you're a draft Nick or not, um, but did you like his profile? Um, did, did you see why the chiefs made the selection of Rasheed Rice? I did once I reviewed his film. Um, he's got a specific skill set that fits in pretty well with how Juju Smith-Schuster had a lot of success last year. Um, he's a guy that seems to have a pretty good understanding of those things I just talked about with Moore. Those were things Rice actually did pretty well with in college in terms of seeming to understand coverages. Really good ball skills guy, um, you know, back shoulder type stuff. You can trust him in those things. He's a pretty good yards after catch guy in terms of some power. So he's it's kind of interesting. He's not a guy with deep speed at all, but he's got really good acceleration. And so he that feels more like an intermediate kind of working that same area Smith Schuster did. I think the expectations on him are quite a bit more tempered because of what happened with Sky Moore last year. Yeah. So let's uh, let's move to one more player. Uh, I think we know what MVS is. I think his his book has been written from a fantasy perspective. If yep. he's not scoring you a long touchdown, you're not getting anything from him. <laughs> let's go to Justin Ross. Um, Scott Barrett would punch me in the face if I didn't ask this question because <laughs> because Justin Ross's pre-injury at Clemson profile was spectacular. Mm -hmm. The exact type of guy you would expect a team like the Chiefs to take to take a uh, a flyer on. He obviously sits out all last year after surgery, yep. but the social media team keeps being like, Oh, look at this kid. <laughs> and Patrick Mahomes is like, look at this kid. Mm -hmm. I don't know what the expectation should be. Even his last year at Clemson, he was clearly not anywhere close to the same player he used to be. Um, but is there reason to be optimistic about Justin Ross? Again, we've looked at that. There is plenty of opportunity for a receiver to emerge here. Absolutely. And that's, I mean, if you're going to be optimistic for a reason, that would be the reason. I will say this, it's going to be tough for him to make the final roster. They really have their guys kind of set. Um, you, you, you know, Tony's making the roster. 
You know MVS is making the roster. You know Moore and Rice are making the roster. Justin Watson, they signed to a two-year deal, and they just brought in a veteran that they like in Richie James. That's six receivers, and the Chiefs rarely go past that. So if he is going to take a roster spot, he's going to have to, like, take it. And so for people that are drafting before camp and and preseason and cutdowns, that puts you in a tough spot, like, in terms of taking a risk on Justin Ross. I think the only reasons to be optimistic there is there's been a little bit of hype, but it's mostly just the unknown. And we love the unknown as fans. That's, you know, that's why we're more hyped about Sky Moore, who had some pretty competent snaps versus Justin Ross, which we know basically nothing about because we love the unknown. The backfield right now at least looks quite similar to last year. Isaiah Pacheco, we kind of expect to be the early down grinder. They brought back Jarek McKinnon, which is an underrated move in my in my opinion. And then there is still Clyde Edwards-Alaire. He's in the final year of his rookie contract. It's just never happened for him. Two-layered question here, because I think we know what McKinnon is at at this stage in his career. Is there still a shot for CEH? And if not, is there a chance Isaiah Pacheco can do more in the passing game than he did as a rookie? Um, I liked what Pacheco did, limited as it was in the passing game as uh, in college. And he actually showed pretty good pass protection chops in college, which would lead you to getting on the field. The Chiefs are going to slow play McKinnon again. I mean, that's they, they've shown this. Fantasy owners just know McKinnon's not going to get the ball a ton in the first, you know, three months of the season. And then once they've kept him healthy, they'll give him more touches down the stretch. They've done this multiple years in a row. Great way to use Jarek McKinnon. Yeah. Um, not helpful for fantasy owners. Clyde Edwards-Alaire, I'd expect to get a, an okay amount of run early in the season because Isaiah Pacheco's they're slow playing a recovery from some off-season medical stuff. Um, well, he played hurt on it last year. Um, and so the Chiefs like Clyde Edwards-Alaire more than like the, the consensus is on him. It wouldn't surprise me to see him get a little bit more run early in the year. But the problem is it's not going to be enough to definitely take away from Pacheco. Um, and, but it's not, but it's going to be enough to where you maybe don't see that development as the, in the passing game, because they've got a guy they like doing those things in Clyde. So I, the, the chiefs running back room, it, it, it makes me nervous, man. There's just not a lot of great places to go. And then because of the uncertainty around uh, Pacheco's health to start the season, Clyde's situation. And then the, the fact that McKinnon, you know, they're going to slow play him. That's why you're seeing actually a lot of hype around um, on, on, around Prince one of their undrafted rookie free agents who actually profiles similarly to Pacheco physically. He's a, he's a, he's a little bigger and, and about as fast. And so he's a guy to kind of keep your eye on because he's a guy that a lot of the beat reporters have said had been impressing. Yeah. Well, we'll get to him a little bit later as well, just to get a, just to put a bow on that. Um, I want to talk, talk two more big picture things. Number one, we know Eric B has moved on to the commanders. Matt Nagy's back. I mean, normally I would ask earlier about an offensive coordinator change in a podcast like this. We don't fix what's broke. Uh, don't <laughs> excuse me. Yeah, don't don't fix what isn't broke, right? I mean, th- we're not going to see a whole lot of changes here. My guess. I think you're going to see them continuing to to move towards some of the changes they've made over the last couple of years to adapt to the Fangio shells becoming so popular. 12, 13 personnel, more peppering stuff underneath. So that means maybe some of the running backs and tight ends might be a little more viable. Um, even like, you know, grabbing a flyer on Noah Gray, who might see more opportunities. But it's it's going to be Andy Reid's baby and always will yeah. be. 
Uh, and I think if there is one reason Chiefs fans would say we're concerned, and, and again, concern for the Chiefs is different than concern for the Titans, okay? We, <laughs> we, we understand that there's, we're grading on a curve here, sure. um, replacing both offensive tackles. And that could be a big deal. There's no, there's no doubt about that. Absolutely. Um, it'll be interesting to see how they perform, particularly that's another area where Pacheco might have a few red flags is that um, Donovan Smith and Jawan Taylor are, at least on film, worse run blockers than Orlando Brown and Andrew Wiley. Um, on the flip side, uh, Jawan Taylor is a significantly better pass blocker than Andrew Wiley. Um, it, it's, it's not close at all. He's an excellent pass blocker. Um, and Donovan Smith, prior to 2022, would have been considered maybe approximately Brown's equivalent there. And so if he's fully healthy, he had an upper body inju- injury last year, um, and he's kind of an upper body-based player, if he's healthy, I think you could see an overall improvement actually in the passing game in terms of pass protection. And so maybe they start throwing the ball all over the yard even more. <laughs> you know, well, well, I think we're anticipating that happening. So um, <laughs> I've been asking Seth to wrap up every uh, Franchise Focus podcast for a low-end sleeper um, on uh, sure. uh, the roster who you might not uh, be aware of who could contribute for fantasy. You've alluded to him already. It's de- For you, it's Daenerys Prince, the UDFA running back out of Tulsa. Yes. What have, were some of the specifics that beat writers were noticing at OTAs that really maybe made your ears perk up? The 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 team overall has brought him up a couple times as a guy who's impressed. He's got a really good size, uh, size, speed, and even a little bit of agility profile that I think you, we're, we're always we're always kind of slaves to what happened the previous year. And so people saw that with that Chiefs interior offensive line, which is maybe one of the best in the league, probably one of the best in the league. If you get a guy who can get to his spot quickly, you're going to have the holes you need there, and it's just about having that burst to get through. And Prince has got a really good size speed profile, and he's looked the part at camp, uh, or not at camp, but at OTAs. Now, of course, padless practices. It's hard to say what that means. But he's a guy to keep your eye on, especially with some of the kind of goofy questions around some of the other areas in the running back room. Yeah. So his name is Seth Kaiser. He is a Chiefs analyst for the Athletic, or he's contributed to the Athletic. We we know what what limbo is like these days in, <laughs> in sports writing. But if you really like his work, and you should because he's awesome, go to Substack. He is the writer of the Chief in the North newsletter. Over nine thousand subscribers on Substack, and you can get all his information, all his tweets, all his videos at Real MN Chiefs Fan on Twitter. Seth, this was fantastic. I'm glad you dressed up for the podcast. Hey, you could have come in here shirtless and it would the content would have been just as good. I just don't know if we would have put it on social media. It would have been a very different kind of podcast. <laughs> no doubt about it. Uh, Seth, thank you so much for joining me on the Franchise Focus Podcast as I continue my journey around the AFC. We'll be wrapping up the AFC West this week, but it's been a pleasure having him. It's been a pleasure having you, the listeners, and I'll be back with you shortly. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in to this edition of the Fantasy Points Podcast. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite platform. And come join the roster at FantasyPoints.com.